Good morning out there in Radio Land. What a day the Lord has made. What a day, what a day, what a glorious day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. This is the day that anything is possible. This is a day that he can take your situation and he can turn it around. Whatever you're facing, whatever you are walking through and whatever you are going through, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your deliverance. And today is the day of your victory. We just got to trust in him, have faith in him, and believe that what he says is true and go to the bank on it and believe that he will accomplish his will and accomplish his word. And we are still praying for several people this morning. We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, Miss Hannah, how are you doing? I'm doing good this morning. I was in here talking to Brother Tim, and he said he was listening to uh, Smith Wigglesworth this morning, and he said, only believe, just mm-hmm. believe. So yes. I think we need to get more faith back in the body of Christ and stop letting things uh, take our faith away. Yeah, it's uh, that was old Smithy's pretty much main message. Um, I read several of his books, and most of them all said the same thing because there's just simplicity and just believe. Just believe. If God said he can do it, believe he can do it and believe he will do it. And there's a difference between believing that God can and that God will. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference, and we have to believe that God will do it. Amen. Well, we are still praying for um, Miss Mary. Talked to me last night. She called me. Uh, talked to her about 1030 last night. And um, Mr. Floyd is still having some um, tests done, different kind of tests. I think he's going to have a heart cath this morning. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're going to continue to pray for him. And then we'll continue to pray for little Archie mm-hmm. and Phil and um others that are sick or in the hospital for some reason we continue to lift them up and support them as the body of christ and so um, let's just open up prayer this morning for them and we will also pray for the school year for starting for brett county this year so father we thank you so much for healing we thank you lord that you are the god that rescues you are the god revives you are the god that restores heals and makes whole god We just lift up Floyd to you right now, God. We speak to that heart to function properly for all the arteries to open up, Father God. We believe you fulfill, God. We thank you so much for healing and giving him hydration, God. I thank you, Father, for anything, C-deaf, anything that's that's, um, hitting his body. We just raise up a standard by your spirit Mm -hmm. and say, yes, Lord, to protection and guidance and healing, God. And we just lift up little Archie to you, God. We believe that breath is coming into the lungs. God, yes, we pre- we believe and we declare over his life, Father God, that the attack on the lungs is is going to cease, God, and that Jesus, when he grows God. and as he grows and he's mature, God, I believe you'll give him a word for the attack yes. and emphasis on his lungs is an attack on the word. And we believe you, Father God, Jesus. that restoration is Thank coming, that healing is coming. And, Lord, we just pray for the Brett County School Year, Father God, as they start, Lord, that it's going to be a great year for them. Um, God, that you would let them have revival, that they would experience a level of glory even in the school system, that kids' lives would be changed. Father, we pray for a hedge of protection around them this year. God, that um, there's just a protection from any kind of violence, any kind of outside ideologies, brain, brainwash, Father God. We just ask you for sanctification and holiness, God. God, we thank you so much for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, We are um, just uh, excited for our school year that will be starting Friday, too. 
and um, we're just anticipating a, a great school year at Bethel Christian Academy. And if you are interested in getting your kid into Bethel Christian Academy, I do believe there's maybe a, t- a spot or two open still, um, maybe downstairs. But um, you can call the office at 270-257-8330. Again, that's 270-257-8330. And Miss Jerry will get you any information that um, you are interested in. And it's going to be a great school year. We love giving a Christ-centered education. Um, and what that means for us is that we we learn all the arithmetic, we run we learn all the educational things, and they do a great job over there with that. But everything's learned through the lens of Christ, and so even in the English space, it's taking you through biblical principles. So while it's teaching you how to diagram sentences, or know what a verb is, or an adjective, or a participle. Even while they're learning that, they're learning biblical principles because the pace will use biblical principles in the sentences that they diagram. And so it's it's just a constant drilling and it's a constant learning. And um, it, I just love it. And we have, an ob- we have an obligation and responsibility to sharpen the arrows that God has put in our quiver the best of our ability. And um, that's not the state's job. It's not the... It's not the um, the um, the organization down the road's job it's our job as parents and our job as the church to raise our kids in the admonition of the lord and to give our kids a godly culture from a young age and so it's our responsibility our, our pleasure and our honor to sharpen those arrows the best we know how to so if you're ever interested in any more um, information on bethel christian academy we'd love to get you that information um, we have a, another gospel concert coming up on East Main Street. It's August the 18th, 2023, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on East Main Street right there in Litchfield, Kentucky. The Edwards family, Troy Burns family, and the Wilbanks will be there. All things start again at 7 o'clock a.m. I mean, p.m. p.m. And it's a free event, so come on out. It's between the Sicilian Bank and the Jack Thomas House. And it's going to be a great morning, a great evening there of gospel singing. And then we have our Harvest Now Crusades coming up September 10th, 11th, and 12th with Brother Lance Johnson. Um, it's going to be an awesome three nights there. Um, you do not want to miss what God's going to do here at Bethel Fellowship. But it's not Bethel Fellowship by no means. And it's not just Brother Lance. There's many churches that are coming together to to make this happen because one church cannot win the harvest and one church cannot do everything, and one person cannot. It's a body. It takes a body. And um, last night, uh, I was 15 or 20 minutes late to the elders' meeting because I did go to the prayer meeting, and they started with, uh, I had Brother Tim lead the meeting until I got back and able to pray with, um, you know, there was eight, I can't remember how many, probably seven or eight different pastors there praying together last night. And so just praise the Lord for that. There's a unity, and there's a, coming together of the body of Christ and um, the move of God that's happening is, is just awesome and we celebrate God's goodness. Uh, Miss Hannah, do you have anything else on announcements? Um, well, we will be announcing the Come Out in Jesus' Name uh, movie documentary here soon, but I might let Jacob take care of that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I did want to say just what we were talking about with the different um churches i was very encouraged at vbs that was one thing i really liked to like about vbs is to see all the different kids from different represented from different churches that were able to come um and some volunteer some parents and things like that too um and it 
and I know that um, we had a youth rally here um, that had a lot of different kids and parents and chaperones and things like that from different churches. So I'm just, I'm excited to see um, different churches come together. I'm excited to see us truly in unity, not just within our own church, but the actual whole body coming together because that's what, that's what it's all about. It's all about us coming and uniting together. And so I'm excited. Uh, the events that we've had so far, um, we've just, I feel like, got a taste of what's coming when oh, it comes man. to the unity among the body. So, Amen. Amen. Did you want me to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, August 18th at 7 p.m. We're going to have the first showing here at Bethel um, of Come Out in Jesus' Name. If you don't know what that is, it's a documentary um, style um, movie, but it's it's re- it's done really well, um, and it talks about deliverance and deeper levels of deliverance that the church has kind of neglected really for for years, and getting to the heart of issues. And um, they have really really done a great job, uh, but they've also been under attack a lot lately. And each one of these guys, um, I've watched most of their stuff, um, quite a bit of hours, and they're they're legit. I mean, they're they're not out here trying to to get popular and uh, trying to make you know this this is not this big name preacher because everything that they've spoken about they they always base it on the word and the scripture, and that's what I I really really um, I love about these guys that they use a lot of scripture. And it's always mm-hmm. um, affirming what they're, you know, wh- how they're going, where they're going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but this movie will be intense. It will be very, very um, uh, eye opening. And <laughs> <laughs> it will be very intense and eye opening because um, it just gets to the heart of issues. It gets down to the depth of things that we deal with and things that maybe you don't even know that is generational. And be passed down from even 10 generations before you. That it just keeps getting passed down and nobody ever took the initiative and said, God, get out of me, whatever it is. That not maybe nothing I even did on my own, but it was just passed down mm-hmm. from generation to generation. And I want all, anyone who comes that night, I, I'm encouraging people to bring their pens and papers and I want you to be honest with yourself because nobody else is going to see this. Nobody else is going to be looking over your papers because we uh, that's I'm, that's strictly something between you and God. And I want you to write down everything known and unknown that you know that's in your heart or maybe things you struggle with, things that you did. And be honest with God. Don't be hiding it. Be honest with God. Nobody's going to be seeing, like, like I said, you know, it, it's it's – it's a intense, deep thing that I want you to search your hearts mm-hmm. and allow God to show you these things. And I believe that even things that you may know generational that your family deals with, you know, maybe you don't deal with it, but generationally it's in your family that could be an open door for mm-hmm. the enemy. So I want people to write down these things. And then we're going to, at the end of the movie, we're going to go through the renouncing and we're going to go through basically deliverance um, and, and and whatever God wants to do. You know, we're open to whatever God wants to do. And um, I, I want people to sign it at the end. And when we get done, we're going to burn them. 
we're going to burn these things. We're going to say, God, when, you know, if you feel like God has delivered you from these, I want you to burn it and be done with it. But if you're still going through, don't burn it until God has delivered you from those things that you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, feel like, you know, you need off of you. And, um, but they go in, I don't want to get into detail of, of a whole lot of it because I want people to, um, because they do a better job of explaining things. And it's almost like the entry door to what they're trying to get people to walk through mm-hmm. to see what what we're really de- dealing with in the world and what the church has, you know, really, I feel like there's some churches that's done it and there's some churches that have walked in that, but it's very sel- very few. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear about healing or you hear about, you know, different things, but you don't hear them talk about, deliverance and Mm -hmm. and jesus spent a third of his ministry casting out devils and i know the hardest thing for a christian to believe is and i always heard this question can a christian have a devil or a demon and they're saying they're you're not possessed You're, you're you're their spirit man is is whole but they're saying demonization basically there's parts that you've not yielded to god and you've allowed the enemy in your life and Maybe it's in a, you know, the Bible says if your eye offended you, pluck it out or, mm-hmm. you know, the tongue, cut it different out. Different strongholds. So different strongholds. Like that. That's what we're talking about. We're not mm-hmm. talking about like he's controlling your body and you're openly possessed. We're talking about areas that maybe you haven't surrendered as to him. And uh, even Paul talks about the, the, there's members that we haven't yielded to God mm-hmm. that maybe offended us, you know, if it's your right hand or your left hand or you know, and and I like I said, I'll get there. There's deeper levels of it, but we we just want to leave it out there and invite people to come on mm-hmm. Friday at seven, because we're 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 putting our hand to the plow and we're we're pushing through. I believe we're starting to see people. I believe you know while we haven't really even my father-in-law, he's an elder here, and he was like, this is one of the most important movies he said I've ever seen in my life because it opens us up to see new things that we've never seen before that maybe this is why we've been dealing with this this is why maybe we're struggling in this maybe we can't get free because this is what's causing it you know mm-hmm. and and it you can ask Hannah when you watch it you're just like oh it's almost like you just look over everything in your life and you begin to just examine yourself yeah and and it gets real because you start seeing things you didn't realize that maybe you're dealing with. Yeah. Especially, you know, uh, we won't talk too much more about it just because we, we want to let everyone watch. They do a a good job of explaining these things and it really is a good documentary. Um, And they have, for me, I I wanted to go watch even more. They have lots of other videos and things that um, on each of their YouTube channels and things like that, that explain some things and they've done a lot of study and a lot of training and things like that. But um, one of the biggest things for me was like the roadblocks to deliverance, um, looking at like unforgiveness and Mm. um, things like that. And I think those are things that are deeper rooted. And a lot of us, you know, it's easy to look at, okay, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this sin. I'm not doing that. The ones that are easier to see per se, but when we, they start to get down to the, the roots of things, the unforgiveness, the, the, the hurt, the abuse, the things like this. And so that's why these things, they are serious. They're, they're heavy things. Um, so we would advise you to, you know, use your discretion with, you know, your kids, 
Um, you might have, you know, a child or a teenager that you really feel like needs this. Um, but there might, you might have kids that you feel like they're not ready to see something like this. So just, we do want to get it out there that it is, it's intense, it's deep, it's serious, but it's very like, I, I think Jacob could agree that, and Joe, and I think every Christian really does need to see it though. Yeah. Um, at some point. So, um, it was very eye opening. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't even put into words like the last few months that I've seen people grow through just, we're all examining ourselves and there's things that, you know, we're just like, you know, I think that, that to me is what happens when we're moving into a move of God, you start examining things in your own heart. And you, because we want to be pure before God, and that's that's. I mean, that should be our uh, our strife to God mm-hmm. to to make us holy like You, to make us where we can walk like You did. And you know, not I've heard Isaiah said we need our teenagers to not be like looking at Bathsheba bathing, and you know, like David did. You know, and I think that's where we see a lot of. Um, teenagers looking through lenses like that you know mm-hmm. and and those things that they deal with and while we've seen the same reciprocal thing happen over and over and over through the same generation that they're dealing with this and they're dealing with this. i mean i feel like we keep going down a deeper road and levels of this stuff so mm-hmm. i'm excited yeah one thing i, I like is that the sin is being exposed and the darkness is being exposed because I think sometimes it's easier to just tell our brother or sister or, you know, as a pastor, it's easier to just tell the sheep like, well, you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be doing that uh, because, you know, we don't need to sin. But explaining what sin actually does, like what it's actually doing to your body when you watch that, how that's actually coming into agreement with it's de- it's demonic and you're coming into agreement mm-hmm. and inviting and open that door for the enemy to just come and have a heyday with you and um mm. and i think that's what's helpful is seeing what's actually happening behind the scenes when we do these things yeah. and when we open these doors when we when we live in sin when we um have relationship with different sin um and so i think that's what will really help our generation this generation all generations overcome sin finally because we see things you know over like especially with addiction you know we see people go into the same cycles over and over and over again and it's like why can't they get free but why do we never look at why do we stop why don't we stop looking at the behavior that they're doing and start looking at the the spirit behind it and the the darkness that is influencing that and so I think that's what deliverance is not. It's not just some like taboo, scary thing. Like yeah. I think it's just gotten turned in because it's been done wrong before. So much, yeah. People want to write it off and think, oh, well, it's not. But I truly believe that the true deliverance, like Jesus, he if he had the opportunity when he encountered these things, he didn't want people to stay that way. Yeah. I mean, he it it's almost like you're sick is what it mm-hmm. is. Um and and we see him, we saw we saw him cast out demons. We we saw his and and the thing that I love uh, again before we get off this topic, but um Isaiah actually was pr- talking about in one of his teachings was Jesus was completely opposite than the darkness that he cast out. 
Oh, no. Like when he encountered these unclean spirits, he was he had nothing in common with them. Mm-mm. And that's the that that's the problem today is that so many Christians do have things in common mm-hmm. with these unclean spirits. There's been ways where we've came into agreement with it and we've been playing with it. Yeah. And I know we hear preachers say all the time, we can't cat you can't, you know, be playing with the demons you're trying to cast out, cast out or yeah. get but we, I think we kind of say that lightly. Because we really need to realize that the reason why it was so effortless for Jesus, the reason why he just walked on the scene and things manifested and then he cast it out. I mean, for one, he's Jesus. So, but it's because he had nothing. He was completely holy. He had nothing in common with these unclean things. And and that's the standard is like, we don't have to come into agreement with the darkness. Yes, we're living around it. The world is filled with it. (laughs) I mean, we're everywhere we go, there's darkness and unclean spirits and that are looking for people to live through because they're jealous. They're, they, they have no purpose unless they're trying to um, find a host or find someone to mess with, you know, but it's possible. Jesus said that he Jesus gave us a way where it's possible for us to be opposite than that. Yeah. It's possible for us to walk in freedom and walk in holiness um, and be able to ha- um, uh, the verse about, you know, trampling on scorpions and serpents and, yeah. you know, having power and dominion over all of these things. And so I think it's very eye opening. It's very encouraging to see the amount of people that are getting deliverance right oh, now yeah. and waking up to it. Um, and I just, I, I would encourage anyone who you've been battling things, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, those are one of the common ones, yeah. but um, to come out. I mean, it's, um, I think we've had, I think I heard Alexander Pagani say, um, and it makes sense now, he says, if we have deliverance without revelation of what we're doing, it's witchcraft. mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, he says we have a lot of Christian witchcraft in the church because we're not giving revelation to people to see, let them understand what's going on and and give them revelation of what is, this is, we have to show you this because if you're just coming up here, like for so long, I feel like we've done like some things that we shouldn't done in the church, like prophesying, mm-hmm. you know, instead of prophesying because we're over here allowing people to speak that are not don't want to be speaking or mm-hmm. you know just little th- we're allowing things that we need to to really bring revelation to and impartation and i think that's what this movie's doing so amen amen well that was a big intro but <laughs> hopefully that helped some listeners who maybe have had some questions about it all right well we are in john chapter 17 um we're starting in verse i think we got through five yesterday so we'll start in verse six today and again, Jesus is praying in his high priestly prayer here. Um, he has already kind of taught his last hurrah to his disciples. He's about to go to the garden. Um, and in this moment, he is praying. He is praying um, to the Father. And he's ultimately praying for glorification. And he's praying that this thing will finish strong, basically. And he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou hast gavest me out of the world. So Jesus goes on to follow, he goes on to praying to the Father and he says, I have manifested thy name. Basically saying, I have shown you to be real. I have shown you to be faithful. I have shown you to be healer. I have shown you to be deliverer. I've shown you to do exactly what you said you would do. I have made your name real to the men. 
that you have given me out of this world. Now you got to remember that he's actually Jesus is telling them the men that you gave me. So these twelve apostles specifically, minus Judas and Mary and them, that these are the ones that he's really targeting. These are the ones that he's really with, and he has manifested the Father's name to them. And he's praying to the Father and saying, Look, Lord, I have done this. Um, Father, I have done this for you. I have manifested your name. I have made you real. I have made you, um, in modern day language, I have made you legit. Like it's, you know, I've manifested what you've asked me to manifest. It's not that I just called you healer, I actually showed them your healing. It's not that I just called you deliverer, I actually showed them your deliverance. It's not that I just called you redeemer. I'm showing them how you are redeemer. And he's telling, he's praying, I have manifested thy name unto the men that thou hast given me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them them me. So he's saying they were first yours. Now you're giving them to me, and now they have kept thy word. So thine they were, yours they were, now they're mine, and because they're mine and I have given them your word and I have manifested your name, now they're going to keep it, Lord. Basically, he's saying this. I do. I can leave now because the mission will be carried on. He's saying they're going to keep your word. They're going to keep your, your name. They're going to keep going forward. They have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee now they know have known so they have known that all things whatsoever thou has given me are of thee for i have given unto them the words which thou has given me and they had received them and have known surely that i came out from thee and they have believed that thou doest send me and so he's telling them this and y'all just chime in whenever you want he's saying that the word that you have given me I have proven, I have manifested your word. And because I have manifested it and because you have given them to me and I have taken them upon myself and I have showed them you, now they will keep your word. They will keep doing what you've said to do. They will keep your commandments. They will keep your ways. And he goes on. And again, to reiterate, he's saying that, for I have given them the words thou gavest me, and they have received them. So now he's telling them, not only have they heard it and seen it, they've received it and have known surely that I came. So now the revelation where the Jesus came has been solidified. He's saying, Lord, this is done. Like, these guys have received me. They know me. And they have believed that thou doest or didst send me. And I pray for them. So... Jesus actually prays for different people in this prayer. Mm -hmm. This prayer is for his disciples. Mm -hmm. He does pray for the world. He prays for all that would follow to believe him. Um, and But first he prays for He prays for the his, disciples. Yeah, I call it kind of more of his inner circle of disciples. Mm -hmm. And he, he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them that are... For them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And um, I think it's significant that we're seeing Jesus pray for his disciples in a way he's not praying for the world. Because mm -hmm. that kind of eliminates universalism. It eliminates inclusion, inclusiveness, inclusionism. Because 
pretty much we want to say when Jesus prayed or did anything, he did it to everybody. But like if you back up to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, when he taught the Sermon on the Mount, even though prior to that there was a lot of people, the ones he actually taught the Sermon on the Mount on was the disciples. Yeah. He gathered them on the hill and he taught them. Why? Because the culture of the kingdom is not for everybody until you get into the kingdom. And so you can't teach cultural, you can't teach kingdom principles to an unbeliever that's not in the kingdom. And so we, we try to do that. We try to say things like, well, it doesn't matter if you're born again or not. There's kingdom principles that work. Well, there is these laws of reciprocity. You reap what you sow. Yes. But at the end of the day, to live a kingdom life full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God, manifesting who the Father is in the earth, unbelievers don't do that. They haven't had the revelation yet. Um, it's They don't know him. And they don't know him. And they haven't had the revelation like we talked about yesterday. And so there's a level they can participate, but to live in it, they can't. And in Hebrews 6, you know, discusses some of that. They partook, they tasted they did these but it never possessed so they mm. never possessed the kingdom they never possessed the nerve they only partook they they were enlightened which doesn't mean they um you always talking about deliverance um uh, people's enlightened to the fact they need it but just because you're enlightened to the fact you mean it doesn't mean you got it That's true. you could taste of something doesn't mean you have it i taste of a cheesecake but it still could be hannah's um it's not mine and I know that's a like it's a cheesecake analogy, but at the end of the day, it's true. Like just because I taste of something doesn't mean I have that something. And just because I partook of something doesn't mean it's mine. And so I think a lot of times we we encourage people to partake of something, but never possess it. And that's why so often we walk underneath what God has called us to walk because we are partaking, we're tasting, we're being enlightened, but we're never walking in it. And, and we never take the we never take the keys to the truck and start the ignition drive off. So people tell us the truck's yours. Well, great, but until I take the keys and drive off and put it in my name, then it doesn't it doesn't do no good. And that's the for me in in stoterology, which is the study of the process of salvation. There's things that are happening, such as propitiation, justification, glorification, all these ends. Uh, but there's, I think one of the most important things about salvation that we don't talk about it is adoption. And a lot of people know about him, but never been adopted into him. And, and so we know about his name, but we never taken his name. And so part of salvation is adoption, that he's grafted me in, that I have become his, mm -hmm. that I got his name, that I have become an ambassador, that, you know, when Iris Cloud and Phoenix took my last name, they took me like they're, they're mine now. And they will live forever, except Iris if she gets married, which I'm not sure she ever will. Um, they'll they'll live forever with Wilson as their name now. Their Wilson's no longer Maloney. It's now Wilson. And so as Christians, when we we accept the forgiveness, but and that's great, we want to restart, but things really don't change until we accept his name. And so when they accept his name, it's no longer Aaron who lives, but Christ in me. And so now, even though my name is not physically changed on the earth, there was many times in the scripture where the name did change because there was such a significance of taking the name and being transformed. Mm -hmm. But but forgiveness is cleaning the house. Taking his name is filling the house. And so we've got to take his name. 
And I think this is what they're saying with Jesus right here is they haven't just heard it. They've received it. Mm-hmm. And they know that thou hast sent me. And they're about to step in and taking my name. Because whenever they start to go heal the sick and raise the dead and do all this stuff and acts, you know, they go before pretty high places. And they're like, oh, you did this, Peter. No, I didn't do this. It's not me. And how was, does your verse nine read your version? I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them, which are thou has given me for thou. They are mine. I love that verse. That it's very good. I mean, I love this whole chapter, but that verse is really good. Um, and I, I just see a significance. He's praying mm-hmm. like he's praying for the disciples. And pretty soon he's going to say, I, and I'm not praying only for these, but I'm praying for all that will basically follow after these and believe mm-hmm. in me. So, um, but I like how he makes that distinction. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely significant if he's making a distinction, you know? Yeah. Right there. A hundred percent. Um, but I think it's also significant to say thou has given me for they are thine because we are the fathers mm-hmm. and the father will give us to him as his prize. We are the bride. And um, there's really so much in here that we have just read right through in John chapter 17. But it's like Jesus kind of saves the best for the last and he does it in a prayer. And um, I still don't know what it would be like to actually hear Jesus pray. It would have been pretty phenomenal, uh, to say the least. Um, and so, but we are getting ready to go to break here. Um, we have our first, no, we don't have our first trivia question. It's blank. Uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> uh, I have my list here and it's blank. Um, it's great. I don't know. <laughs> We'll come up with some. We'll come up with something after the break and um, do some trivia here. I apologize about that. I have no idea. I just looked down and my thing is blank. <laughs> uh, um, and so I don't know. But I know God's good. Um, so here we go. We're going to take a break <laughs> here. We'll be right back here after the break on Morning to Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty. We are back this morning. Uh, we've got, I kind of rounded up one trivia question, so we'll do this one. Um, I'll just steal it from another day, but it'd be Wednesday question. Number one sponsored by the Sicilian bank. Actually, I'm gonna have to hold this cause I can't answer phones and talk at the same time. So, uh, we will read this question at the second break. Um, and we'll still get two questions in this morning. We'll do one at the second break and one at the third break and, um, we'll go from there. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, we're excited for all that God has done, is doing, and is about to do. And um, I know the Spirit of God is truly pouring out on a generation. And um, I'm so thankful that as we progress forward, that a lot of things that we're facing or going through, or a lot of things we're seeing, Jesus has already prayed for us. Um, and it's something to know that Jesus is praying, that he has prayed for us while he was on the earth, because he will eventually say in John 17, and not only these, but all them that will believe. He prays for them as well, and he prays for us to overcome the world. And so when Jesus is on your side, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. And so um, praise to God for that. Um, 
you know, one thing that we have um, been persuaded of in a move of God and our heartbeat is to see um, the the church truly come alive and be transformed is um, no move of God happens without prayer. Um, it, it cannot happen without prayer. And we're seeing God do awesome things in lives, um, but it's not because somebody's singing good enough or preaching good enough. I think it's because the people is praying and there's a people seeking the face of the Lord. Um, and many, many of times, honestly, the prayer meeting is the one thing everybody jets on. And the prayer meeting is the one thing that people don't show up for. They want to show up for the worship or the service or something like that. But, um, you know, prayer, the prayer meeting is where things are birthed. Um, the prayer meeting is where Hannah gives birth to Samuel. The prayer meeting is where things start to really change and shift. Um, and so we have few times throughout the week that we pray here and anybody's welcome to come. You don't have to be going to Bethel to come to the prayer meetings here. Anybody's welcome. Um, they they pray on Tuesday mornings uh, at 10 o'clock. Anybody's welcome to come out for that. We pray Sunday Saturday nights at 7. Um, anybody's welcome there as well as today at 9.30. There will be live prayer on the radio station, and you'll be able to call in and get your prayer request in there. We'd love to pray with you all there. Um, Hannah usually does that one at 9.30. And, um, you know, there's just, we, we're trying to make as much room for people to pray as possible because prayer is key. We have a prayer vigil here Saturday, Wednesday and Saturday where people's praying all day long. Um, but it's just, we are hungry for that place of prayer and to, to tap into his presence and tap into the resources of heaven. And prayer is really where we're changed. Um, prayer doesn't really change God. Prayer changes us. Mm -hmm. And, um, fasting doesn't change God. Fasting moves us. And we've always got to remember this. A lot of times that these spiritual things that we are, quote, religion te teaches us to do are just fulfill on the duty of making, you know, you pray through your prayer list and you're good to go. Give you a thumbs up. Um, and this is the thing I've noticed about prayer for a lot of people. It's it, when you look at prayer through the eyes of religion, you use prayer as another opportunity to try to earn God's favor. So, um, I was in a place not, not too long ago, and there was a lot of us praying, and the Lord said, and I really felt like the Spirit of God asked me to do this. He said, don't, don't, don't open your mouth. Just listen to the prayers of the people around you. And so I did, and uh, I'm trying to be obedient, and I just kind of laid in the floor, put my face down, and I just listened to prayers going on around me. And some of them you heard desperation. Some of them you heard the hurt some of them you heard this but i heard some people too it's like they were trying to earn something in prayer mm -hmm. and my heart actually kind of broke for them because they're they they have faith they have great faith they believe god can do it but it's kind of like a hebrews 11 people they they have great faith but they have no rest mm. and and we don't operate in prayer as a place trying to please God. We operate in our prayer because we know God. And and my prayer life is never trying to earn revival. My prayer life is me receiving revival. Yeah. And I'm finding more and more the significance behind the Pharisee and the sinner, both of them praying. 
because he was sitting there talking about all these things he has done. He was talking about how he's fasted, how he's given, how he's done all this. And he's thinking he's going to be the one leaving justified because he actually tried to earn the justification in his prayer. Whereas the sinner just rent his shirt, beat his chest and said, I'm a sinner. Save me. Which one left justified? Hmm. The sinner. And so I'm, I want us to think about stop trying to earn something in prayer and let's learn how to receive something mm. in prayer mm-hmm. and stop trying to impress God with your prayer life and start letting your relationship grow in your prayer life. And yeah. um, I don't know just really what I feel. I mean, that's one of the things the spirit of God downloaded me the other day is just hearing people trying to impress God with their prayer life. And <laughs> I've done it like I know. I and, know. and it was like the Holy Spirit had to let me hear that because I really do feel like 30 seconds of legitimate, authentic, Lord, just send your glory is way more powerful than six hours of religious duty. I think it's so much is just being real. And I think sometimes everyone wants to build their self to a place where they're trying to um, work so much to please God. And I said before Jesus even did one thing, he came to Jesus and he said, I told you this the other day, that we have to understand that we are beloved and that nothing that we could ever do could earn the Father's, uh, I mean, we could do so much, but he's already loved us. He's already done this for us. Amen. Now let's just be the children of God and let's be real before God. And God, you know, like, um, I've heard Aaron say it, but <laughs> preaching. I won't talk about that because it's, it's, it's the people's righteousness. They think that their righteousness is is pleasing God, but it's it's like dirty rags, basically. Mm. I know it's filthy, filthy rags. So we can't we we can't bring God this dirty rag and say, "Hey, God, look at my righteousness." Uh, it, he's not he. That's not what he's, he's not out to do that. He's, he de- he's not out to look at what you can do. He just wants you to get real with him. Allow him to come in. Allow him to fill your heart. Allow him to do the work in you. And there's times that you go to prayer and you don't even know what to say. But you just, I'll just be real with God. Just be open with God. And I believe that all through scripture we see people who are real with God, just like David. I mean, most of Psalms was David just praying to God and he just giving it was coming out of his heart and his heart was to God. And even in the midst of some of the stuff he did and things that maybe he, he actually saw looked, if you looked at and compared them together, David's sin was probably a lot more than what Saul did, but Saul's heart wasn't towards God. David's was. And Saul tried to do things with the, in his own self. And everyone says, well, he's a head and shoulders above David, so we're going to put him king because David doesn't look like a king. But David's heart was so engulfed with God mm-hmm. that he was the true king. And he had, I think, I said, we got to stop looking on the outward appearance about who they, who, what you've done, things that you've given, and start looking at the heart. Where does your heart lie with God? Are you after his heart and in exchange your heart for his heart? And are we looking through the lens of Jesus, not our own? Because we can do nothing because our righteousness is filthy rags. It's nothing that we can do. Now, we do things. We do the works because we are saved, not because we're trying to 
you know, please the Father, you know, so much that I feel mm-hmm. like we're trying to impress, like Aaron says, impress him. He already is beloved. He already sees you as beloved. He already sees you as a, his child. So, you know, I think in prayer sometimes it, if you'll just get real with God, you'll see God move in your prayer life. Mm-hmm. Just be open with him and just telling, you know, teach me how to pray, God. Show me how to pray. I want to understand the depthness of your heart. I think the significant thing with David is that he knew God. Yeah. He knew God, he knew God's character. He knew he had spent so much time in the secret place with him that he knew him in such a way. And I think when we pray and when we worship like that's going to be exposed. <laughs> like yeah. like even how God was like, you know, prompting Aaron, or the Holy Spirit was prompting Aaron to listen like we the amount that we know God will show when we're praying to him, because if we're trying to impress him with lofty speech or with words and things like that, then that is evidence that we don't, we need to get to know him more. And I'm not saying that like out of condemnation because I'm constantly like, Lord, like show me like who you are. Like I want to know you more because I don't just want to read about you. I don't just want to, although I love the scriptures and this is a way for us to get to know his, his heart. If uh, the Holy spirit is revealing it to us, but I, I just, that's what I see with David and Mm -hmm. that's what I, with David versus Saul. And that's what I see with, um, with praying and things like that is if we think sometimes I think we get into the habit of doing things and then we don't really realize we don't put ourselves in like God's perspective. Like we don't think about what God is actually thinking what about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes there's been a, um, a certain circumstance where I was praying with a group of uh, a group and looking like in the moment, it was just like intense, like yelling and this and this and that. And then now looking back, I'm like, I wonder what God was thinking about that. Like, <laughs> like I wonder what God actually was thinking. Like, or like you, and I think sometimes we just get so caught up in what we're doing that we forget really who God is. Yeah. Because even in that moment, God had to remind <clears throat> different ones of us that like it's not about how loud we scream or or how uh, whatever. It's not about the intensity of it. It's about us hearing His voice. And if we're not hearing his voice and his guidance, then there's no point in doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's what David longed to hear his voice. That's true. David longed to to spend time with him, and I, I think, think being vulnerable too. Mm-hmm. You know, being vulnerable before God, like he didn't care. And I mean, even his own wife made fun of him how he danced before God and. But he loved God so much, he didn't care what everybody else thought. He mm-hmm. was just trying to get to the heart of the Father. And even in his mess, his heart was still, you know, towards God. And mm-hmm. um, that's that's one of the, he's one of the characters through the, the scriptures that I just, or people that I just, it makes me, like he, he could have done, um, you know, things that he did and, and things that he opened doors to, but God still had his you know hand on him. And so I'm, I don't know, it just amazes me. Like, you know, Saul, he, he disobeyed God that time where he didn't kill everything, you know, kill all the people that he was supposed to kill. And then God came and basically the, the prophet came and says, you didn't kill all those. And he had to end up killing 
the one he the king that he didn't that he tried to spare. And it's like you disobeyed God. Like he wanted to do everything in his own power, he, no matter what God said. And David wanted to do whatever thing God said, even though he was <laughs> knew he's. I think Saul thought of himself as something. Yeah. David knew he wasn't anything, you know. Yeah. But he knew who his God was, and he mm-hmm. was going to defend his God. So, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and of course, you know when you talk about prayer and you talk about all these things. You know, within a move of God, um, it does begin to look different, and it begins to sound different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beautiful thing about prayer is we don't have to sound alike. Um, everybody's going to pray differently. Yeah. Everybody's going to, um, you know, different levels of prayer, different kinds of prayer. I mean, there's so many different kinds of prayer there is. Um, it's just... I want us to move from prayer out of the realm of religious thought of I'm going to do this so that God will be pleased with me. Or if I don't do this, God won't send revival. And if I don't do it this long, then he's going to be mad at me. You're going to be upset with me. Mm. And really the, we have to be careful with anything that we do that the reason that we are doing it is from a, pure heart and I don't want anything in my life that I do for God to do because I'm scared of them I don't think that's why we do it now because you say well the fear of the Lord is beginning of all wisdom the fear of the Lord has nothing to do with being scared with him Mm -mm. the fear of the Lord interprets into there's honor to him there's glory to him there is a reverence for him but you know in the I don't walk around scared of God because I know him yeah and he knows me. Now, do I has there has there been times that I have a reverence? Like there's been times in a service that I won't touch a mic because I think that I would be messing something so holy. Yeah. But I don't think he. But I'm not scared of him in the sense of like he's going to strike me with a lightning bolt thing. Yeah. It's just there's something so holy and reverent about what's going on. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to insert myself into what God's doing, and because I mean. God's not to be messed with. I get it. Um, but, and Brother Kid made a good statement, no matter the type or style, every prayer must be prayed in faith. And that's 100% accurate. Um, 100% accurate. And so, I don't know. I just want to, I don't know, like, I don't know who that was for this morning. I just feel like it was necessary to bring it out that we can't stop trying to earn something. And because will be on this treadmill with the Lord for so long that we're running with all of our heart on a treadmill but never reaching anywhere because we're always trying to earn something that God's already paid for. And so, um, again, it's like what you said yesterday, the the motto of religion is try harder, and the motto of the kingdom is he's accomplished. That's right. We have to receive. And that's what he just said in John 17. They received it. Not Mm. only do they know it, they received it. And we have to learn how to receive the gift that God has given us. Does that mean we're lazy and apathetic? Not one bit. Actually, once you receive who he really is, you have more energy than you ever had, and you'll want to do more than you've ever done. Because now I'm not doing it out of a place of earning. Um, For me, I'm not, I've, I've shared, you know, I'm not good at just randomly talking to random people. But I thought I always had to do it because that was what God expected of me. And so lately, it shifted for me from, well, God expects me to do this, so I'm going to do it or he's going to be upset, to 
I want to see broken people put back together. And I know the one who can do it. Amen. And all I got to do is open my mouth and talk to somebody. So be it. Like, Amen. I don't know. It's just, it's your eyes. It's how are you viewing your life with the Lord? And I think that's important. So, Amen. Amen. I mean, another thing I always said is one thing I feel like people, it's hard for people to, you can forgive others, but they don't ever want to forgive themselves for things. You know, that's one of the hardest things I've ever done is forgive myself for, you know, I feel like it was always keeping me from moving forward because I always felt like I beat myself up so much, you know. And I think that hindered prayer with me because I, like, you know, you would try to go in there trying to do all these things for, for God and try to please Him because you knew that, you know, you had that stumbling block of, thinking that you were trying to work towards something from God and instead of being in rest with him and forgiving myself for things, you know, that maybe I'm not totally done correctly mm-hmm. or maybe even just um, may, maybe I, you know, was in the wrong spirit about something and I beat myself. I should have not talked to those people like that, you know, and, uh, and, and it just kept, and it was just, I dwelled on it instead of just saying, Lord. Condemnation after yeah. condemnation. And yeah. I think the hardest thing to do is forgiving yourself, but you got to do it. You got to forgive yourself Um, because I think it, it, it it creates um, a a stumbling block big time. So, yeah, yeah. I think something too going along with this uh, for me that I've struggled with, we're just talking about, you know, our testimonies a little bit, but is feeling like I'm going to mess something up. Like if I do this for you, Lord, I don't want to mess it up. Like, is there somebody that would be better than me at doing it? And so I think just realizing that we, if, if we're doing what he's told us to do, we can't mess it up. It's our obedience. We have the obedience and he'll do the rest. Like, I think about the same thing with talking to strangers. Like, I don't know why people don't believe me, but they're like, how could you get nervous talking to strangers? Cause you can talk to anybody. And I'm like, yeah, I talk to people I'm familiar with and that I've seen. But when it's a random person, I start thinking, well, they're just gonna, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to them not to be receptive of it. You know, I don't want to be pushy and things like this. Um, and I have different situations where I've thought like, well, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing. So it's kept me from doing it mm-hmm. and it's kept me from, but really I, f- I know that's the enemy because I'll think about it and really how, what could, what could go wrong with just asking somebody, how can I pray for you? Yeah. What could be wrong with that? Or how could I really mess that up? You know, like how can I oh, mess yeah. up just, how can I pray with you? Um, I mean, and so just thinking of things like that in that light is like how, instead of thinking about, I think the enemy wants us to think about what we're doing right or wrong instead of like Aaron was saying, thinking about that person being hurting, uh, hurting yeah. or broken. Cause if I shift my mindset and think that, well, Lord, I'd, I'll be a fool if it means that I'll look like a fool. If it means that that person, if you're going to touch that person mm-hmm. through this prayer, I'll risk be saying something silly or messing up. If it means that that person's going to go to spend eternity with you instead of hell. True. So I think we do have to shift that mindset and that that touches me because it it's tempting to have that that thought. Like our life is not our own, you know. That's hard to yeah. think. I mean, we trust Jesus with but it's it's like, okay, where do I go? What do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. All right, well we're going to continue more of um 
some Bible discussion and uh, Q&A. We got a Bible question in from Miss Gail that we're going to answer this morning. Um, but oh. the first trivia this morning, um, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank, is who offered Delilah silver if she could find out the secret of Samson's strength? Who offered Delilah silver if she could find out the secret of Samson's strength? 270-257-2689. One more time. Who offered Delilah silver if she could find out the secret of Samson's strength? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back. We have an answer for that trivia question. Brother Dwayne Kidd got that correct, and it's the Lord of the Philistines. Judges 16.5 is who offered Delilah silver if she could find out the secret of Samson's strength. Also, Brother Dwayne Kidd, I want to remind everybody, we've mentioned this several times, but I want to keep reminding that anybody that has a 15-passenger van that they don't need or anybody that can just cut the check and the Lord will bless you for it, I don't know. Um, they're needing a van. They do what's called release time, and they every year take a group of kids each week, once a week, out of the the school system and brings them to the church and teaches and takes them through the word. And um, it's an incredible, incredible ministry opportunity, and they've seen so much fruit from it. And um, and so, but they need a fifteen passenger van. So if anybody can help them make that happen. You can call the station at 270-257-2689, and I will point you in the right direction. Or you can text me at 270-230-6337, and I'll help you again, get you in the right direction to Brother Dwayne Kidd. And I know the ministry is a fruitful one. Um, And so um, just if you can't help, that's fine. I mean, we're not like um, we're just saying that's the need that's that's needed, um, and we want to always help put that out there. But if you, nonetheless, pray for it. Pray for God to open doors. Pray for God to to um, to meet this need for them. And I know that God can, and He will do it. Amen. Amen. Miss um, Gail gave me an answer question yesterday towards the end, and we didn't get to it. But um, Bible question: Did Jesus give up His divine power when He came to Earth, or did He choose not to use it? I think the latter. Even though he was human, he was still God. Um, this is something that theologians have dealt with for a long time. Um, did he did he surrender it, or did he just not use it? Um, I think there was certain, certain attributes that he surrendered. surrendered. Um, for instance, you all hear me talk about this a lot. I, I mean, it's just what it is. The incommunicable, which means that I cannot communicate with him. We can't share in. So his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his immutability, all of these things we can't share with him, which immutability means that God never changes. We change. Um, We change quickly sometimes. Um, his all-knowing, you think? His omniscience. It's he's all-knowing. Yeah. We're not all-knowing. We. I don't even think in heaven we'll be all-knowing. Mm-hmm. I think we'll still be learning, and I think we'll still. I think we'll have a supernatural ability to learn. I, but I believe to an extent we're always going to be learning. Um, I believe that his will never be omnipresent. He's everywhere. Uh, he's everywhere at the same time. This is a. This is something we accredit honestly to Satan a lot. He's not even close to it. 
we make the devil into everything, but a lot of times it's not the devil in anything. It's his minions or it's those fallen angels yeah. that have fallen with him or demonic spirits um, because yeah. Satan is not everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're not everywhere. They claim his name, though. Yeah. They'll, they, they'll say I'm Satan. Yeah. Um, they're not. Because they had. Yes. They had. Um, and then, you know, we'll never be all powerful. He is all powerful. But I think he surrendered some of those attributes to walk on earth as, as man. man. Yeah. And I don't, myself, I probably would not lean to the side he just didn't use them. I think he laid some of them down. Mm. Because in John chapter 17, we just read that he's going back to the glory that he had with the Father before. That there's a certain amount that he laid down to come to earth as man. So was he Emmanuel, God in the flesh? Yes. Yes. But I don't think he walked the earth as with these attributes. Yeah. I think he surrendered them and laid them down because he needed to know what it felt like to be betrayed. He yep. needed to know what it felt like to to grow in knowledge and to grow in wisdom. He grew in stature. He had to learn to read. He had to learn to to do math for his carpentry. He had to learn how to relate to people. He had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk. Yep. And so I think all this was significant to do because he had to empathize and sympathize with everything that we'll go through. Do you think it could have been progressive too? Like, like the odor he got because I mean he basically towed um, was it Pilate that he towed but he says if it's not you know laying his life down he says you don't take my life but I'll lay my life down for you mm-hmm. to you all so I'm just sitting there thinking he knew yeah in that power I have the power to and basically I can do all these things but I lay it down before you all yeah he he had the power. I think there was a lot of significance to in the area of he don't take my life, I lay it down. Yeah. I think he's making sure they know that, you know, this is something bigger than you, Pilot. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking. It's something bigger, way bigger. I'm I'm laying myself down as a sacrifice and as atonement to fulfill my father's will. Yeah. Um or even in exchange tables, you know. I, yeah. You know, throwing the tables over. I mean, I think, oh, I, it's kind of like, man, I guarantee it, there was a fear when he come in there doing that. I yeah. Mean, um, Greg said he thinks he thinks he is his own power. He does what he wants when he wants because we can't comprehend God. We can't fo- we can't understand how he can be an all one at any time. I mean, he he's God, um, a hundred percent, and. And Mr. Brother Joey said they're taking Floyd back now for the heart cath, so we'll continue to pray for Amen. him. And we've been praying for him this morning. And, Lord, we just know you'll guide the surgeon's hand in all Amen. things. Give him peace and rest in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, but I think here, though, he, I think the significant thing about God becoming flesh and walking among us as a sacrifice and the atonement, he was holy. He was perfect. But also... The scripture talks about he can sympathize with everything we walk through. And so if he walked in this earth as God and not man, then for one, he would have never need the angels to come minister to him in the garden. True. He would have never had had to have the spirit of God come upon him. He would have never had to escape to pray. He would have never had to be encouraged. He would have never had to do anything because, well, he's God. Yeah. And God don't need angels to minister to him. He came as man filled with the Spirit of God. 
And that's why he said, these works and greater shall you do. Why? Because he did them as man filled with the Spirit of God. And, um, you know, if he came as God, just God, then he would have no need to be baptized. He had no need for anything, but yet he came, he came as God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. But I I think, um, you know, I, I think, well, let's see what brother Wayne, Dwayne says. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient, um, to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and a favor with God and man. He had to grow. Yeah. Like that's another example. Like I just think that he was fully God. He yeah. never ceased to be God. Yeah. He's always been the Son of God in the earth. Yeah. He's always been. He in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But to walk and do what he did on the earth, I think he's laid those things down. Yeah. And I don't think he picked up the glory with the Father he had until it was accomplished. It's almost like I think too, you know. He didn't have the tainted sin blood either. And I think that, I think about that because he was sinless. How he showed us how to do life without sin. Mm-hmm. And that that is a big kicker I feel like a lot of people miss is because he walked a sinless life. He never encountered sin till the garden. Yeah. you know. And, and I'm sitting there thinking because he didn't have the tainted blood. Now we're born into this body. We're born into sin. But when we're born again, we are empowered not to sin again. Mm-hmm. Not saying you're not going to, but I'm just saying you're empowered to never taste sin again in your life because mm-hmm. He's given us that authority. So yeah, uh, He was still tempted. Yeah, He was still tempted, but He showed us how to overcome it. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. amazing. The way that um, I've heard it taught is that He was fully God and fully man. He experienced the fullness of both except i i would say to that the only thing that he wouldn't experience from man is actually sinning yeah actually like engaging in sin but mm-hmm. well because he had to be but he was still tempted yeah. yeah yeah um yeah you know he did not count it robbery to be equal to god like we understand all of this and yeah. I'm um I mean this is this is a question we tackle quite a bit in theology and there's some there's some technical names I'm not going to like bog everything <laughs> down with so I'm I want to filter cuz I want to make this very reachable for us cuz it gets really complex yeah um when we take it to a certain level but I think we always have to think of this in context and the unpacking that he was walking on the earth to not to give us something that's unattainable, but something that we will attain. Mm -hmm. And I will never be God. So what he gave, the standard that he gave us walking on the earth is him. It's all him. He is the perfection. He is perfect. And I am, I am called to walk as he walked. Mm -hmm. And so he, to do that, I'm filled with the spirit and he's bringing me into them. And so if he did what he did on the earth as just God and from his omnipotence or something like that, then I can never do those works in greater. Mm. And it makes something that's unattainable for us at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I can become partakers of the divine nature because through his promise and through his blood and through his work, I think people, 
think when I say this kind of stuff, they think I'm trying to belittle who he was. I'm not. Like, he never ceased to be God. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so um, it's a really hard question. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to take away from that. And I'm not trying to just beat around the bush because I don't know the answer. I'm saying that it's legitimately a hard thing to conceptualize. And and I think we can say we know, but at the end of the day, there's some things that's a mystery. How it worked out, how it happened, what really, how did Jesus do all this? Well, he is God and his ways are past our ways. And so sometimes it's above our finding out. So I think we can grasp at some things. I think we got some good some good understanding of it, but to fully understand yeah. how it all worked, I'm not for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, he, go ahead. Oh, you, uh, I was just going to say, I think sometimes we neglect tapping into the divine nature. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because, and I'm not even saying like to be able to just have so much power. Like, I mean, we should be walking in power because we have it available, not for our own um, not for our own am- selfish ambitions, but for whatever the will of God is in our life to be mm-hmm. walking in that power. But I do think sometimes we are like, well, God is God. We're we're not God, so you know we're gonna mess up. Like I think sometimes, and that might be true. We might mess up, but I just don't think that needs to be our mindset. I think sometimes as Christians, we we don't set the bar high enough. Like the bar's already been set, and I think sometimes we don't look at that bar. And we, like we talked about yesterday, we live such, we live so far below because we, we are not tapping into what Jesus has made available for us. Yeah. Yeah. We, we use the standards of each other and Corinthians deals with this, the standard and James talks about too. When I, when I look into Jesus and see him, it's the perfect standard. It's, it's who I'm striving to be like. Um, Dwayne Kidd says, Luke 2.40, And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I mean, this is the way I lean to, is I think that he did surrender it because he had to grow. He had to grow in the spirit. He had to grow in life. He had to grow in stature. He had to grow in all these things. He didn't come onto earth as omnipotent and all-knowing. He had to learn. He had to grow. But the thing I want to balance out is I never want to say he ceased to be God. Yeah. Like, so it's not like when he came to earth, we were missing God for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, he was he was still fully God. But I think there were certain attributes that he laid down, surrendered yeah. so that he could walk on earth as man to give us the perfect example and also be the atonement. He brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. And I think that's one thing we've missed. And the kingdom of God to earth when he because he basically said if. If you cast out devils, and when, is, I like to go back to the scripture, but it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. If you cast out devils, then the kingdom of heaven is coming to you. And I'm sitting there thinking he's things that he, he, he had come, he had brought the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's something that we've missed is, is it fair to say that he knew his purpose? He knew fully God what he had to do to restore everything back to be the ultimate sacrifice to transfer the priesthood from John to him as the high priest. He knew certain things that had to be done because of the wisdom that he had from, from the heaven. And he was showing us how to bring the kingdom of God to earth as a man. And I believe that's where, um, I could say that there was an ink, there was that part of him who had this purpose that he knew he had to do these things certain things had to be done 
to fulfill prophecy, to fulfill these things. So I don't. I mean, have you got that scripture? Have you looking at that scripture, Hannah? Uh-huh. Well, I'm not. I see. It, it, there's a few different scriptures. There's one in Matthew, one in Luke. Um, it, when Jesus is speaking, when it says, uh, I'm trying to get a different version here though. Matthew 12 is what I found. Matthew 12:28 and Luke 11:20. Yeah. That's it. Matthew 12:28. That's the one I'm looking for. Um, but if I'm casting out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm, I feel like, go ahead. Well, I mean, that was the context though. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I don't have the Bible in front of me. They're open, but isn't that where they accused him of casting out by Beelzebub? Yes. I'm pretty and sure. so, cause he was, yeah. they're sitting there saying, you know, well you cast out demons by Beelzebub. Well, no, a kingdom against itself is a kingdom that will not exactly. fall. He's saying, I have, cast out devils and when I have done it it's not the kingdom of darkness has come upon you it's the kingdom mm-hmm. of God that is manifested it's come here exactly because I am not casting out devils by Beelzebub I'm casting out devils by the name of the father and the father actually he's actually it's a manifestation of what he said in John 17 earlier he has manifested that father's name mm-hmm. well this is his father's name that deliverance would happen and the people would be set free and the captives would be set free mm. and so he's just reminding them the kingdom of god has come upon you and really he's actually mm. he's actually fulfilling what john the baptist prophesied of because john the baptist was saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand well jesus is taking it a step farther and saying no longer is the kingdom of god is at hand the kingdom of god is here mm. And it's a proclamation that he is the fulfillment of what John the Baptist prophesied. Wow. And so it's, and the Jews needed to hear that because the prophecy shift from the kingdom of God is coming. And now Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is here. So the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, I am he because I am the one that's bringing it with me. Amen. Mm. I know, I felt like we, we tried to answer that the best we could, but, um, do we have time for us to ask a question? Do you, sure. Do you want to ask this? <laughs> and it's like, I don't <laughs> know. Fun. Well, we, we were kind of looking into a question, but I think we kind of wanted to, to spearhead this. Um, you know, we're talked about, where was it at? In Acts 16, about the woman who had a spirit of divination. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's following around Paul. It talks about Paul's getting annoyed by her <clears throat> following I, him around. I think, I, I guess what we're trying to get at is like, she told the future. And she made money off of it, right? I think you preached on this one time. Mm-hmm. My question, I guess, is how the how the dark realm can tell the future. Like, how are they able to... I mean, I know it happens, but I think we've come to a conclusion in here, but I just wanted to hear your take, Aaron. So the woman um, with the spirit of divination, which also could be... Um, the spirit of what was it? Python. Python. Um, that's what it interprets to. In the Greek. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So fortune telling for the dark realm, I believe, is fortune different than fortune telling for us. Okay. I don't believe necessarily that prophecy is fortune telling or, or futuristic always. I think prophecy yeah. is much bigger than just tell me the future. The Prophecy can be unraveling the now too, yeah. And but it, prophecy is foretelling. Now, if you look closely at it, I believe it says fortune telling. Fortune, not for future. I think what she's doing is no different than reading palms or tarot card reading, 
and people are still making a lot of money off of there. And I think spirits can sense things. And so I think that spirits can't see the future, but I think spirits can see the now and they can piece things together and they can whisper mysteries and they can do things like that. But as for telling the future, I don't think they know it because if they knew the future, then they would have knew Jesus not to kill him. Um, So I don't think she was actually telling the future. I think she was fortune telling, which I think fortune telling is basically I can sit down there with Hannah and there can be spiritual things that talk to me for her. These are things equivalent to Ouija boards. These are things equivalent to fortune telling, like palm readings, um, reading a ball, crystal ball. Um, I, I hear Christians all the time saying, I always just wanted to go to a psychic to see what they say. Yeah. Psychics don't tell you the future. Psych- psychics will tell you things about yourself. Spirits know things about you. Spirits will know things other people won't know because they've been in the room with you when nobody mm-hmm. else has been there. And so I think her fortune telling was telling mysteries. I think her fortune telling was um, was probably it could have been crystal ball. It could have been anything like yeah. all these things. I think it was tapping into that realm. I don't think she was future telling. I think she was fortune telling. And I think there's a significance there because I want to get the Greek word for that. Though. I'm not sure about this lady, but I we were talking about just in general, like I. I've never been to this, but I've had friends <clears throat> actually that have been to different things like this, like at fairs and, and things. And I'm like, y'all need to stay away from this. But um, I have heard of people like act, people predicting the future, sure. like today, sure. in today's time. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what we were talking about is people who are operating in darkness and they're predicting the future are they predicting the future because they have the gift of prophecy themselves, but they're using it for darkness? Because we just don't see anywhere where where demons could actually predict the future. I don't think that's the case myself. I don't think they're operating the gift of prophecy for our own reason. Um, I think what they're doing... I don't think myself that spirits know the future. Okay, but I do think they can grasp and piece enough stuff together. And you know how I I think people do that. I think there's some people who, quote, quote, unquote, operate the prophetic, that they piece enough stuff together. I can tell you something. Yeah. And I can probably see some futuristic things that are going to happen. But to actually prophesy, I think, is a different thing. Here's my take. I do think fortune telling is telling the future, but I think they're manipulating situations to basically it's like they're putting this curse up on these people because they're trying to create a manipulative surrounding where these people believe things like okay uh well you're gonna die here tomorrow because you're gonna get hit by a car they're cursing them Mm -hmm. it's almost kind of like they're creating this thing and people coming into an agreement with this fortune teller and i think because people are coming to them making money hey because she's legit. Mm-hmm. But what they're doing is they're submitting themselves to the alignment of where God is or where the Satan is wanting to take them. And they're falling down that path and they fall and believe this thing and it comes to pass because they. Because they're aligning their whole life on that false thing and yeah. then they actually end up doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I, Bible says, so man thinketh, so he is. I'm sitting there thinking, so if you if the enemy knows this, he under he, he says, oh, OK, we're going yeah. to curse these people. I think that's why we have to be careful with, you know, these social media prophets and, you know, different 
people that we we need to be in prayer and i mean really any prophecy because if i i do think that happens a lot is someone will grab a hold of whatever is being said and then align their whole life based on that that prophecy or whatever or the fortune or whatever it may be and i think that is the danger and that probably yeah. is why we see things happen like that it because it's manipulation yeah I just, that's what I'm, I mean, I may be wrong, but I just think that they're manipulating situations mm -hmm. and um, making you feel like they're trying to tell the future. They're like a soothsayer, basically. They're like getting you to, to pull in, like Aaron says, they piece things together, but they're also trying to make your future. Like mm -hmm. they're trying to, 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 to curse those things and trying to put these on you for you'll agree with them. Yeah. And then, so. Yeah, but if you look at, I just don't want to equate what she's doing with what we do biblically. Yeah, oh, no. Um, no, not at all. And there is a, I don't think like spirits can see the future of the person no. again. I think it's all no. about manipulation and I think yeah. it's all about the spirits know things about people um, and they can see trajectories people's going on. True. But, but also. They're not all knowing. No. no. And see, that's what we were talking about actually before you got into that was. There's so much manipulation in this because they're not they're they rep, try to uh, replicate whatever God's doing, exactly. but they can't. <laughs> they yeah. they can't actually but do it. I think that's why we gotta be careful. When people don't come in agreement with some of these things. Mm -hmm. Like we got to stop that. We have to, you know. Un I mean, and you think about too um, how, like even the magicians when Moses came, they were they did some things that were like, oh, you know, they turned their staffs into. Uh, snakes and then his staff turned into snake and they ate basically so i'm sitting there thinking man what power do they have as you know a, this magician type stuff you know like they're trying to deceive people but their power does have limits yeah i agree with that and, definitely. Uh, like i don't think demons can read your mind no um, i really don't i think that and I don't think they can truly foretell the future. No. I think they can try to manipulate the future. Yeah. And I think they can piece things together from, like, there's things there's things that they would be able to decipher about your life that's happened to you that nobody else may know because they could have been in the room. Watching, yeah. You know, they could have yeah. seen it. They um, watch us just as much as and so, And I think with this spirit of divination, it's really the spirit of Python, which basically a constricting thing. It wants to choke you out. Choke you out yeah. It'll manipulate you. It'll strangle you. It will create chaos around you. It will. It will. It will do exactly. It'll suck the life out of you. And see, that's really what she was doing to Paul, yeah. and 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 Silas is she was following them and saying, "Behold, these two servants of God." Well, she was actually declaring the right thing, yeah. But she was trying to suck life out of them. And it was constricting, and she kept nagging, and she kept nagging, and she kept nagging, and she kept nagging. And finally, he got tired of it and just rebuked it rebuked because, it, yeah. for one, she was trying to bring glory to them. Um, but for two, she was trying to manipulate the whole system, situation, and she was trying to control it. And that spirit inside of her, she they, they wanted to bring emphasis off what they were doing. Yeah. And so they were trying to bring attention to them personally. And that's never what Paul or anybody was about. That was a spiritual thing. And really, the, the divination is the spirit of Python, and it's... It's that spirit of now. If you look it up in the Greek, I think it's going to say fortune telling, foretelling, stuff like that. But yeah. foretelling is different than prophecy. Yeah, it's almost like well, I think they're 
the lying spirit has to be part of this because the lying spirit has to get people to believe it's a lie that they're speaking over these people. I mean, yeah. they're like, these people are telling your future. So they align themselves up with the lying spirit. I don't know. I mean, it's well, pretty, pretty um, I don't know if I answered anything on that question for you. For no, me. no, you know, I it, don't. It, it, um, but let's do another question. We're going to take a break here. Um, I'm going to read a question we never got answered from last week. Um, what king of Judah had his birth and reign foretold to King Jeroboam? What king of Judah had his birth and reign foretold to King Jeroboam? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back in for this last 20 minutes of this morning. What a day we have experienced the presence of the Lord and um, just excited for all that God has done, is doing, and is about to do. Amen. Well, do y'all have any more Bible questions in there? <laughs> no, we're just looking at something we were talking about. A lot of people might have different views on this. I don't want to stir up the pot. Oh, all righty. Well, I mean, if you want to dive into it, you can maybe. I'm bring. not. I'm usually not scared to do anything unless it's about a weather machine or something. <laughs> just okay. <laughs> oh yeah, we won't get into that here. No, I mean, just explaining to people the difference between fallen angels and spirits and demons, stuff like that. Oh yeah. We have talked about this before. It, it was a long about the in the beginning. Yeah. What, what are they called again? You're talking, you're well, talking we about talked, the Nephilim. Yeah, we talked about Nephilim one time. I think on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, what's your take, and I will give you my take. Well, you know my how far you already <laughs> know my take. <laughs> I'm, I I just don't believe fallen angels need bodies. They already have one, mm-hmm. and I believe that's where, if through some of the things they did, that spirits were released upon the earth, and I think the spirits need a host. I think that's why they want a host, you know. So, and they're the ones that always look for a body. But I won't get into <laughs> to the the depthness of where I think they came from, mm-hmm. because a lot of people have a different um, view on that. But yeah. Um, my view has been different on the Nephilim um, and some fallen angel things. Um, but for me, I don't think Nephilim were actually the giants. Uh, whenever I see in Genesis 6, yeah. it says they were on the earth. I, I kind of see it a little bit different. I don't think the giants were a repercussion of fallen angels and women. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. didn't Because yeah. I think there may have been some of that going on. At one time, I thought it was... I was pretty persuaded it was the sons of Seth and the daughters of pagan um, outside source coming together because it says sons of God and daughters of men. And so I'm I'm still looking into all that. But as for the Nephilim and the the giants, you know, it's there's some terminology in Genesis chapter six that is a little challenging for me, that it seems like these giants were already there prior to Genesis six. And so, um, and as for the, say, spiritual, the spirits slash or opposite or other than fallen angels, um, I'd have to process that a little bit more before I gave too much of an answer because I don't see where they were ever created 
separate separately. So, because nothing can be created outside of what God created, because in the Satan does not have creative power. Say that again. Now, I never seen where evil spirits necessarily was created. I saw where fallen angels were that rebelled. Yeah, but Satan does not have creative power. Exactly. Nowhere in yeah. Scripture can he create, or do we see him creating? Because um, evil itself was never created. Evil itself was, yeah, um, chosen basically. It was. It wasn't that evil ever was necessarily like, and I know people's going to throw some scriptures at me that's talking about creation and of evil, but like this concept of evil was never something that, that evil or sin is just not doing what God has obey, called us to do. So sin is disobedience. That's it. Like God says, do this, we do that, that's sin. Yeah. And so it's our choice to do that. And that choice has been there. But um, I think we have to be careful to. I don't want. I don't ever want to Hollywoodize it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we've done this thing of where we made good versus evil such a Hollywood motion picture that Satan and God is in this fight. Well, I just want to tell you, Satan and God is not in a fight. When Satan rebelled, Jesus said, "I saw him fall like lightning. It was pop. He was done." There was no war. There was no war, war, or heaven, war three, or anything like that. It was when Satan rebelled, he got cast out. Mm-hmm. There was no fight. Even today, you will never find a moment where God and Satan are fighting. You find a moment where Satan goes and asks permission, and you see moments where Michael or somebody is holding him off the principality of the air or the prince of Persia. But as for there's, God has no opposite. Yeah. Satan is not God's opposite. Satan is not Jesus' opposite. And that's what Mormonism teaches, that Satan is Jesus' brother and that they're both created as sons of God. And it's it gets really whacked out. So that's where I just say I'd have to think more on it because yeah. Satan don't have creative power. I don't... I, <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. Because I do believe that there was a creation when they, the sons of God and the daughters of man I think there was some type of of a, of a new thing coming up on the earth now I, you know I, I just people say that well how did how did they reproduce well it does I, I've not clearly seen a scripture that says that they can't reproduce offspring like that because God destroyed that you know, he destroyed all that for some reason, you know, because of all this pervertedness. But I believe that these men in Solomon and Gomorrah had done things to these. They wanted to do things to this angel that came. So they had to learn it somewhere. So, I, don't, I mean, I'm at this. I, I'm pretty stickler about what I believe on this. I mean, it's not a popular opinion a lot, but um, a lot of my friends don't believe that way. But I just, there's. Things that I'm seeing more in scripture that to, that I'm questioning about stuff like you know like it, can this happen? But that's mm-hmm. just my take. I'm not going to argue. I just, I'm yeah, just, that's what I'm saying. Well, I think we could look at. I mean, an example, just looking at this because I think a lot of people have not had solid teaching on this because nobody really wants to teach about it because uh, <laughs> it it there's so many different opinions and pushbacks and stuff but like the spirit of Jezebel uh-huh. that's 
one of the most common that even if you don't even know what deliverance is, you've probably heard of Jezebel because you hear about her in the, in the word, but there is like the spirit of Jezebel. How can we unpack that? Like, well, there was no, like we call it the spirit of Jezebel. There was an actual person. There was an actual person, Jezebel. And there was even an actual person, Jezebel per se, other times the, mm-hmm. the earth too. The spirit of Jezebel is not Jezebel's ghost that's walking Mm-mm. around the earth. The same demonic Mm-mm. force that, that attacked and influenced and manipulated Jezebel mm-hmm. is operating today. So that's what we would call the spirit of Jezebel. Because it was already at work yes. in those people. Yeah. So I think there's things like that that we need to clear up, that it's not just people who were alive and they're still walking around somewhere. Yeah. That actual person. Like, I believe that, like, Baal was a demonic spirit. I believe that... Asherah was a demonic spirit. I think that these Greek mythology and these Greek gods that they worshipped was probably demonic spirits. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of things we probably don't talk about much um, about stuff like that. But I've tried to teach about it over the over the course of my ministry, um, just to talking about like you know we're not Jezebel's ghost is not walking the mm-hmm. earth. It's the spirit that uh-huh. influenced behind Jezebel, um, but. But, I mean, I don't ever want to negate that there are spiritual things happening. Um, Jacob's question was, is there a difference between fallen, fallen angels, angels and, and spirits? spirits? And I don't... We I don't have to do more study into it because... Yeah. Um, I'd never see a place where evil spirits, like, you know, um, I understand the, I understand what Jacob was saying. Like, you never see angels, per se, possessing people. But I don't know the I don't know the depravity and what happened whenever fallen angels became fallen angels and they were cast out. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a scripture that says though they came to earth and they ate like men? They there I remember reading that one time. I don't. Uh, and when they hold on, I want to get that scripture. I'm uh, I'm I'm digging deep in the last ten minutes. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While you're digging deep, let me. Let me give a scripture that I was talking so people don't think I'm crazy. In Genesis 6, chapter 4, and it says there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in upon to, unto the daughters of men and their bare, their bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, which were, oh, men of renown. But to me right there, that's really hard for me because it alludes to there were and then there was after. And it sounds to me like I'm not a I'm not a grammar expert. Just ask Jason when I was helping in the school. But were is past tense, mm-hmm. and so already it, there, already there. So that's just me. I'm not saying I'm 100 percent right, and um, I'm not a stickler when I believe on that because I think I could definitely probably be proved wrong. I'm not. There's some things you can't. You probably can't move me off of Genesis six is probably some that you could probably move me around a little bit because I think um, it's another one that has grown to be quite a mystery for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just reading Genesis nineteen where the two angels came to Sodom. Uh, you sure you didn't read that in the book of Enoch and they ate like men? Because the book of Enoch is where a lot of people has been. I think we have to be careful in using the book of Enoch as our study of fallen angels because really the book of Enoch has a lot of things about the book fallen angels in it. And I think 
honestly, I think some Hebraic root movement has been doing that lately, and I think that's I, I would. It says they ate though. I mean, in Genesis 19, it says when Lot saw he rose to feet and bowed himself with face and said, "My Lord, please turn aside to your servant's house, spend the night and wash your feet." Then he may rose up and go to the way. They said, "Now you will spend the night in the town square." But he pressed them so they turned aside and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked down. That's the angels. Yeah, yeah, that's. I never think angels probably can't do that. What I'm and I'm, what I'm saying is I don't know the, the the gravity of what happened to the fallen angels when they fell. Yeah, I got what you're saying. What yeah. stripped away? What happened to them? Like, because I don't think that I don't think it was you're going to be cast to earth and you get the party down there. So you get to keep everything great about you. I I think that even um, to to an extent, I, I think there was probably. Whenever they were cast down, I believe they were here prior to creation. Yeah. And I believe that when the earth was without form or void, that does not mean the earth wasn't here. It meant that it was chaos. And what would be more chaos than fallen angels being condemned here? Mm-hmm. And Adam was given sin here to have dominion. What was, he, what was he called to have dominion over? Everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. Um, and so hmm. I think that we... I think that when fallen angels fell, and this is me grasping here. I mean, I'm I'm thinking here. I, I'm I, and y'all know me. I don't like to do this. So I, um, I'm I'm outside my comfort zone here. I'm more of a. I I, I want to. I don't say stuff unless I think I know. But I I feel like in this regard, I do feel like probably a lot of things happened to the fallen angels physically, um, even on a spiritual basis when they did get cast down. Yeah. But I never see where an evil spirit was created. That's where I would. And um, but does that's just me, right? I, I'd have to look more into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I it, love this. I love. It's not something about. we're probably we're just gonna find out overnight. A lot of it, I do feel like, is mysteries. But I think we could do our due diligence in trying to connect what we know in creation to what we see in the New Testament with unclean spirits and see how they connect. I think we could. Well, I think that's there. Um, Yeah. We can try to connect and see what, you know. Even me, like, who's uncertain on Genesis 6 and how it works out, I would never negate the unclean spirits and all that. I just, I've always had a little bit of a hesitation about saying the giants were a byproduct of fallen angels and woman women reproducing and i know jacob says that me and him talk about this quite a bit yeah. he said because the the bible doesn't ever say they do or don't have reproductive systems i well, have yeah. kids listen so i'm trying to be really good here but it also but that doesn't we have to be careful just because it doesn't say it doesn't that it necessarily means they do because i think yeah. that's where we got to contextualize everything that you know really the intent of marriage was to reproduce the earth and mm-hmm. um, that was one of the greatest intents of marriage. And we, there will be no reproduction in heaven. Mm-mm. And so, and angels don't reproduce. There's, you never see, Mm-mm. there's no more angels being made. There's, I mean, they were created. And we have no evidence they're still being made. Mm-mm. And so I think that they were created and that's it. Um and so I th- that's where there's a little bit of hesitation on reproductive systems and angels or even fallen angels if there's no need for it. Yeah. That would be my – but – I just think the enemy always wants a, his seed 
implanted just because because I think he always wants to mimic God. So he tries to implant his seed. And that's where I'm more leaning towards where these spirits come from and how they came upon, you know. A lot of it happened, I believe, in early on. Well, hold and, on, but let's let's unpack that a little bit more, what you you say seed. Yeah. There is no seed of creation. There's a seed of deceit. Yeah. And there's a seed of sin. There's a seed of disobedience. There's a yeah. seed of that. But if they're creating a whole other breed, there would be a seed of creation. And I think at that point, you're, I would be, that's where I'm, that's where my check would come. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. wrong. I'm saying that's where my check comes because there's different kind of seeds that can be implanted. But the seed that like the Holy Spirit sowed and created and hovered over Mary that was creative yeah. in a sense. True. Does that make sense? Yeah. But so, I'm just saying that they used man's create or God's creation with man to like they they I don't think that he can just make it out to be he had to use what God had created to mem- to pervert it. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like yeah. where the sons of man came to the daughters of man. He had to have the seed from God. Like he had to pervert the seed yep. that was meant that for was already created. that was already created. Yeah. Okay, somebody sent me Isaiah 45.7, and um, that usually happens in this conversation. <laughs> All the time. Um, <laughs> and so I love it. Like, I, I love it. Like, I, I, it's important to bring it in here because he says, I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. The Lord do all these things. If you look up the word evil right there, it actually translates into, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, chaos. I don't have the interlinear in front of me. But he creates chaos, and he will instill chaos. We say, well, God's not God's a God of order. You remember he's used chaos sometimes to judge. Um, whenever they two, who was the two? Oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm having a brain skip here. He, he sent two into the village, into the, into the camp. Was it Joshua? And he sent mm-hmm. two in there, and, like, the Lord sent all of these – rumblings and confusion he sent confusion to him and actually the people started to kill themselves mm-hmm. the enemy started to, that's chaos he he created that for a purpose for judgment for that um but also you know um i think here he's saying i form the light and i create darkness he did create i mean he created everything mm-hmm. and so but here i would still say that this create evil i the lord do all these things he does judge. He does create chaos. He does do these things. Um, let me see here. I think the ESV study Bible had a really good notice. I'm running out of time here because <laughs> two is, minutes. Jacob always gets me in a mess, a slew, <laughs> slew of a mess. Uh, I, I think he waits all week to figure out what he can ask to be the most controversial <laughs> thing. Um, <clears throat> hey, we got to steer the listeners up. It gets conversation. I mean, it steers my wheels too because right. I'm learning. It's good for middle of the week, you know. It, keeps us thinking i guess so um <laughs> uh, one i minute. can't find it. i'll have to we'll have to work on some more of this tomorrow greg carwell i know you're listening you've been oh, texting uh. me so be prepared we're going to talk more <laughs> um i'll have to find my scripture and i'll i'll bring the interlinear in for isaiah 45 7 because there is some things in there but we are out of time this morning I don't even have seconds for last mil- last <laughs> words, so sorry, guys. We're out of here. We'll be out back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.